week's episode of Stop! How did you get into my house? Again! Well, you leave the door open, so I... Can we talk about this another time? Look, I get it. You want to do something else. But look, I gotta figure out a wrestling do this week. And I realize I can't do it this week. And I have to fill it in for something else. And wait... I didn't leave the door open. Yes, you did! No, I didn't. Ah, uh, yes, you did. Look, I know it's Halloween, but I did not open the- <laughs> Holy <laughs> Whoa, buddy! Uh, uh, four kids two weeks away! Oh, God, he wants predictions. We have to give him predictions! Ladies, gentlemen, lady gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The only podcast where wrestling could always just use just a little bit more fiction. Yeah, did not know what to do this week, and the main person who I wanted to do this week couldn't quite do this week because of stuff. So, yeah, we're doing predictions this week. Why predictions, you may ask? Just because just I felt like it, to be honest. And, and also with it, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I've just, I love this card that we have for Full Gear. Like, it's such a stacked card. <laughs> Like, we'll, we'll get into it, but I just want to give a general thing. This might potentially be one of the best AEW cards that we've had up to this point. Like, from, I think the best card that they've had and best pay-per-view AEW's had at this point has been Revolution. I feel like that show, top to bottom, was probably the best wrestling show of this year. Like, don't get me wrong, Double or Nothing and All Out were great for AEW as, like, a pay-per-view sense. But just top to bottom... A week before Sunday, this card seems absolutely insane. And I thought, since it's Halloween, what what better way to have a more spookier thing on Halloween than to do wrestling predictions before the go-home show of the wrestling show? <laughs> so this is either going to go great or horrible. Hopefully you'll stick around for it. Uh, we're going to be running through the card from, top to bo- from bottom to top. And... To make it a little bit more interesting, because I realise everyone who has some sort of wrestling podcast or thing does predictions. I want to make it more fun. So if any of you tuned into my G1 predictions, cheap plug if you want to see that, that that's there. I, I got it horribly wrong. We have some predictions awards. So without further ado, <clears throat> the categories are Breakout star, breakdown star, it's gotta be pain, lad award, best gear, cheekiest move, and of course, the best match. Was that a good introduction? No, but that's the one we're sticking with. (laughs) So let me just quickly run down the awards that we have here. Breakdown star, basically, the person who I think will get beat up the most, breakout star. It kind of says it itself. The guy who I think is going to impress the people the most. It's got to be Pain. The the thing that's just like whatever superstar or wrestler is going to give out the most punishment on Sunday. The Lad Award. The Legends All Day Award. Which is basically my personal favorite wrestler of the night. Best Gear. Just a guy who I think will just dress the best. Th- there's, there's not really much to it. Cheekiest move. Just. It's. It's just the person who I think might do the most unique or weirdest move on the card. And of course, the best match. Easily, it says it itself, the best match. 
So, without further ado, I, I think we should jump into this. Uh, prerequisite here, in case it wasn't obvious already, this is all like a week before the Go Home show, because it's Halloween, we, we will be the spookiest of spooky boys. The spooky boys. <laughs> and for that reason, I think we should move on to the buy-in of this current thing, which is John Silver <laughs> versus Orange Cassidy. Immediately, I'm thinking cheekiest move goes to John Silver. The man, the man, if you did not see him in his number one contenders match for the tag titles, he pulled a Cesaro. <laughs> that That's just the criteria I'm going off of here. Like, sure, we've got Kenny Omega on the card. We've got Darby Allen, who I think will probably kill himself. We'll get onto that later. John, John Silver, he's really been, like, doing so much as of late. Like... If you watch Being the Elite, he's currently in contendership for the BTE title, which is a whole thing. If Johnny Hungy is Johnny Champion in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> and for me, he's he's been a guy who I, I don't know why, and I can't explain it. I just love seeing him wrestle. And it's not like the same as like seeing a main event star in AEW, like a Kenny Omega or Cody Rhodes or other people. He's just a guy who, when I watch him wrestle, is like, yeah, you can do this, Silver. I believe in you, even if he's the heel. <laughs> but that's enough talking about that. So let's just talk about how this match came about. So John Silver, Dark Order member, kind of just been interfering in a lot of Cody's matches, particularly the ones of Orange Cassidy. He's kind of had this little history with Orange Cassidy when he went for the TNT title a couple of times. First the stuff with Brody Lee, then the stuff where he's just sort of like, kind of taking away a lot of best friend spots. Which, <laughs> he, he is, he's just, he's just great. I, I know I'm being biased here, I just love him. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off the John Silver bandwagon now. Uh, this past week on Dynamite, costing Orange Cassidy the chance to be TNT champion after having two great performances against Cody. The way that I look at this, I feel like this is just a thing for Orange Cassidy to win. I'm going to go with Orange because I feel like he's had a lot of big losses at this point. And I feel like at this point you need to start having him bounce back. He's a guy who's beaten Chris Jericho twice. One, the only person to have done that. And I don't think AEW wants to take that lightly especially with other matches on the card later I feel like they want this to just kind of be a very fun sort of comedy match maybe with a couple super creative serious spots in there because I just I think they'll just work really well together I think they're two of the best sort of I don't know how to re-describe it like serious comedy acts in AEW like, the ones with credibility, who you can possibly see rising up the card a bit more. So, yeah, I'm going with Orange Cassidy on this one. I feel like John Silver will put on a good showing, but I don't see him getting a win here. I don't think it helps Cassidy at all, and I feel like even though it will help John Silver, he doesn't really have a goal to work towards at this point. Maybe a TNT title match, but I feel like that's being safe for Brody Lee. Moving on from that, we have, I'm going at this, not in, like, 
how I think the main events would go because we don't really have a match order. Uh, we're going to go with the TNT title match, which is currently Darby Allen versus Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship. This is, of course, a rematch from multiple matches they've had, from their first one at Fighter Fest to their one near the, I guess, the beginning of January to the TNT title tournament as well. This is, I think, their fourth match that they've had in AEW up to this point. And before I go on with this, I feel like out of all the matches on the card, this is the one that's most likely to potentially change in some way, shape, or form. I think that whilst this will be a very good match, I feel that with the way the direction's going, because Darby seems to still be in this feud with Team Taz and the stuff with Will Hobbs at the moment, they could easily make this a triple threat or fatal four-way, including Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. So if it's just a singles match, I think it's Cody's win. I don't see why Darby should get the victory here. They've literally just had Cody Rhodes win the title again. He literally just defended it against Orange Cassidy as of late. I feel like they're slowly teasing a heel turn with Cody. Like, the stuff after the previous, like, Lumberjack match that we just had. The interference of Arn Anderson, where it was done in the middle of the ring, along with the stuff with, like, John Silver. I feel like they're slowly like planning Cody to turn heel at this point maybe they want to do a heel turn during this match because Darby's such a he's one of those guys who when he gets hurt it's it's very easy to sympathize with him especially with like his size and the emphasis that AEW's had lately on making Cody Rhodes a heavyweight not necessarily like as Cody said himself this is a company of light heavyweights guys who are a little bit smaller but a lot quicker and this is kind of like his way to sort of stand out. I feel like making him a heavyweight is kind of their attempt of basically emphasizing that he's turning heel. As crazy and stupid as that may sound. I feel like that's just kind of like a way for all of his sort of like Road 2 series that Cody tends to do. As a way of emphasizing whenever there's another big match that like, I'm faster than him, I'm stronger than him, I'm the son of Dusty Rhodes, the relative of Dustin Rhodes. Just all these other accolades, especially even like, uh, a technically mainstream television? I don't know what show he went on particularly, but technically mainstream television? So yeah, I'm going with Cody here. I think for this one, he, Cody's gotta get the It's Gotta Be Pain Award. Because I, the way that Darby sells, it scares me. It scares me every freaking pay-per-view. <laughs> like, all out last, Jesus Christ, last August, where he was just, just chucked over the top rope onto the ramp in a body bag. Uh, the stuff he did with John Moxley, we took a top rope paradigm shift, the coffin dropped through a cracker barrel. This man is gonna kill himself before he gets a title. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I... Yeah, I, I hope Darby lives. He's... I, I, I really hope he lives. I'm, I'm scared for him. <laughs> he's... He's, he's the guy who I'm picking for this year's breakout... Not breakout star, breakdown star. I got it wrong in my own award show. This is perfect. He's... He's a guy who, when he sells, 
he sells like he's about to die in every single match that he's in. His whole character has been built around just, you have to make me go unconscious if you want to beat me. He's, his whole like monikers and tattoos that he has is like, you're not dead until you're underground. Yeah, I feel like this match is going to be the match that will either go to a time limit draw or Cody will win decisively, but through something like Darby passing out maybe? Because they've really been building up Darby Allen to this person who just doesn't quit. So, the next thing I want to talk about is the Young Bucks versus FTR. If the Young Bucks lose, they're never challenging for the AEW Championships again, AEW Tag Titles again. I'm going with FTR on this one. I they they've recently won the titles again, and for me, it doesn't really feel like the right time for the Young Bucks to win. I understand that if they lose, they can't challenge for it again, but I feel like there's more room for Young Bucks to develop as characters by losing this match than it is by them winning. I feel like they're planning the seeds for a Young Bucks heel turn, and this is the thing that will sort of turn them over the edge, because right now they're kind of in that awkward grey area. Uh, do I think there'll be any interference in this match? Maybe? Potentially? I I don't imagine that the Young Bucks would want any interference, and I don't see anyone like potentially Kenny sort of like interfering, maybe turning heel on the Bucks and having FTR sort of like be this sort of free man team. And I, I don't see Hangman getting involved at all, just because I feel like with the way the stuff they tease on BTE and the stuff that's happening currently at the moment, there isn't really a reason for this not to be just a regular dream match and just sort of build it as that, because that's what I feel like they should have been doing initially. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really have many thoughts for this match other than I think that the best thing that they can do is have FTR win, sort of establish themselves as this dominant heel tag team force, because I think that's where they're going with this. And then have them eventually lose to someone like Private Party, for example, who kind of have had, since the beginning of Dynamite, has had a lot of parallels to the Young Bucks. And they've been slowly trained by Matt Hardy, and they've had matches against uh, the Young Bucks initially where they got sort of like a lucky win. For me, they're kind of what I think will be the next generation of Young Bucks, potentially, within the company. So, yeah, that's a very short answer. I'll be honest, I think that this will probably have the cheekiest move award, because... Jesus Christ, it's the Young Bucks versus FTR. I feel like we're going to get a bunch of Meltzer drivers, maybe some little bits of technical wrestling here and there. But I think at the end, FTR is going to come out with a victory. Moving on from that, uh, we have the AEW Women's Championship match. Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose. If I had to pick a match that I felt... Kind of was the match that seems kind of lowest on the card. And I hate to say this because... I'm probably of the minority who thinks that... AEW's women's division has so much potential. But they just... Don't really give them enough time, except only on pay-per-view matches. So, for me, this match could actually 
potentially steal the show. Maybe not necessarily, like, be everyone's cup of tea, but I think it could potentially steal the show. It's it's a thing with Hikaru Shida, who I think, I think is the champion who I think should probably win this match. I don't see Nyla Rose getting the belt back just yet. And to be honest, I don't think there's really been any story emphasizing this. Shida, I think, is interesting to keep as the world champion at this point. Because just the victory over Thunder Rosa back when she was NWA Women's Champion. I don't know if they still want to do maybe a AEW versus NWA type of thing still with it. Where it's just sort of like proving who's the best of the best of a women's division. But I just... I I don't know why you would go with Nyla Rose at this point. I think that even if you paired her with Vicky Guerrero at this point, this isn't really the time for her to win the belt back. Unless maybe you want to push Big Swole into like a bigger position in AEW after having a win over Britt Baker. There isn't really anyone else who I can see Shida... Or should I say Nyla... Like, really having a big challenge against? I feel if you keep Sheeta as champion, she's got a lot more variety of opponents. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Sheeta on this one. So, moving on from that, we have the, the match, which, wrestling-wise, I have no idea if I'm going to love or hate this match. And... A match that I think storyline-wise has me most intrigued. Uh, so it is Chris Jericho versus MJF. If MJF wins, he joins the inner circle. Now, out of the way, I'm just going to say this. I feel like MJF is going to win the prestigious Ladder Ward. Because I do not see Chris Jericho at all winning this match. I feel this is a match that's just designed to have Chris Jericho go on a leave for his Fozzy tour or whatever he's planning to do and just have MJF run the inner circle. Because if MJF wins, you could essentially say that he's invaded the inner circle and just has completely taken over what the hell this group was initially, which was kind of... Jericho's way of keeping himself relevant with, as I'd love to go back to, because for some reason I remember this in Cody Rhodes' promo, a group of impressionable youth. And sure, you've got Santana who seems to be kind of accepting of it. You've got, not Santa, yeah, it is Santana. Ortiz and Guevara who are kind of against it. Maybe this is all secretly a ruse to turn on Chris Jericho. And that's just kind of the thought I'm going with with this. I I feel like this is kind of the culmination of what you'd want to do with Chris Jericho at this point. I feel like at this career, at this point in his career, he's done a lot to try sort of get over baby faces at this point. But I feel like now, now that he's slowly starting to get over his theme song, is pretty much sung by everyone in the crowd. He's pretty much like a catchphrase and merchandising machine. At this point, you can turn him face, and I feel like they'd be perfectly fine with it. I think with it, MJF is given this whole new level of credibility. 
and he's established as a main eventer once again. And it's one of those things where I think AEW's done such a good job with people who have lost to John Moxley. You look at uh, Lance Archer, you look at Brody Lee, and you look at MJF now recently. All of these guys, once they've lost the title, they haven't just faded into obscurity. They've still been a crucial part of the show. And they've been these people who have constantly had some sort of major role within it. You have Brody Lee, the minute he lost the title, he was now focusing on recruiting Colt Cabana and recruiting more members. Then he had the stuff with Cody Rhodes. You had Lance Archer, who, you know, the minute that he lost, he started, even if it's just a little thing, we don't know where it's going at this point, he's still, like, observing the title matches and the segments with Eddie Kingston at this point. And, of course, we have MJF now, who... He's now in the position where he could potentially have his own faction after having probably one of my favorite segments of the year, Le Dinner with Le Champion. Yeah, I I feel like MJF winning puts a lot more interesting pieces into this current feud. If you have that happen, and say maybe Chris Jericho is still the leader, you have this bit where MJF is technically like, yeah. I did beat you, so aren't I the leader of the inner circle? And Jericho's like, I don't know, do you want to stay in the inner circle? I don't know, am I the leader of the inner circle? I don't know, do you want to stay in the inner circle? And just see how that goes. Maybe with it, they add in Wardlow potentially into the inner circle, because he's technically associated with MJF, because he signs his contracts. And he kind of acts as kind of like the muscle that keeps all the other members in line within the inner circle, say if Chris Jericho's out of commission, and then you have Santana, Wardlow, and MGF kind of running everything. Maybe you do that, maybe you don't, that's just sort of an idea. So either way, yep, I'm going with MJF. Uh, the next match, which I think will be... I'll be honest, I think this is the best match. I think this is the best match and the one that could be match of the night. Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. Ooh, this is a match that's been building for so long. I, you've got, it's been mentioned a lot through the world title eliminator that we've had that Kenny Omega believes that Hangman Page is just a tag team wrestler. And if we're going by championship accolades in mainstream companies, he is. But, throughout this entire tournament, Hangman Page has been wrestling all the singles guys, been getting more and more singles victories. Kenny Omega has only been wrestling tag team wrestlers. He fought Sonny Kiss. He fought Pentagon Jr. Kenny Omega, ironically, is helping Hangman Page more than he's helping himself. And I think this match... Maybe it's a stupid thing to say, because he's already kind of a main eventer, but he hasn't had the chance to really ascend. I feel like this match is going to be the sort of breakout performance for Hangman Page. I feel like for this, he's the breakout star. I think he's the one who deserves that title in this random list of things I've came up with. Hangman Page throughout his AEW career. He's been... I guess... The best way I can think of it is that he's like the bridesmaid, but never the bride. 
like he when he was first introduced as being one of the main people on the roster he promised that now that he's kind of his own boss that he will be the AEW world champion and then he got into the inaugural match then he lost then he eventually had a feud with Pac for a bit which he lost then when he won the tag titles he was kind of he was kind of the main topic of why the elite was beginning to split he wasn't the guy who was really bringing people together because he was trying to find himself it's been said a lot from people who have just sort of analyzed this sort of whole storyline that hangman page is kind of the character who feels like he's going through imposter syndrome this guy who from every turn this past year has had these highs and low moments where it seems like his character doesn't feel like he belongs and he questions if he really has any friends in this company like after he betrayed the young bucks in the tag title gauntlet match which allowed ftr to win uh his kind of friendship before that with ftr which was kind of a ruse just so that ftr could win the tag titles uh, the stuff with Kenny Omega, where he was sort of the only person in that sort of group of the elite who truly believed that he was still a good person. Hangman Page is a guy who... I feel like this is just another chapter that he's just going to lose. I feel like Kenny Omega is the guy who wins this match, without question. Kenny Omega... It feels like we're starting to get that sort of cleaner Kenny Omega that people have been clamoring for, but just kind of the Americanized version of it, where he is sort of the best bout machine, the man with more things that Dave Meltzer could count. Every match with him is like it's being in the Tokyo Dome. And I feel like with this, you, you build to... A guy who I think is the only man at this point who could beat John Moxley for the world title. There's history there already with their full gear match from last year. And it's a match where I think we're going to really start seeing that mean streak of Kenny Omega fully become embraced. Again, maybe we get even more like V-Triggers, like the match of the Pentagon that we had just a week ago. Where it was like, to the back of the head. At sort of like the ring corners and... More V. I just keep on saying V triggers because I I won't lie to you. I'm very biased about that move. I think it's probably a very cool move that's used a bunch, and I feel like he's one of the best people who use knee strikes in wrestling. That's a whole biased prediction, but that's just me. <laughs> I think Kenny winning makes the most sense, to be honest. Like nothing against Hangman Page. I feel like his time will come, and that will probably come when I believe Kenny Omega will be world champion. I feel like that's the most logical way that you can have Hangman win the belt. I just don't think it's his time yet. He's very close. And I feel like this storyline's culminating with him being the face of the company. Because that's what I think they've really been building to these past couple years. Like, from his big loss to Chris Jericho to now, he's definitely come a long way as being kind of the face of AEW. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where... That thing is going. And so with that, we come to the main event. So the main event is John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston 
in I quit match. Ooh, talk, talk about a guy, Eddie Kingston, who I'm awarding breakout star. I could be wrong here because I've already kind of gave it to Hangman, but I'm giving it also to Eddie Kingston. Don't judge me. Talk about a guy who, in two months, has just taken this company by storm. Like, I don't think there's been many guys in recent memory who I've seen just rise to the top of a company like Eddie Kingston has. From his debut in a match against Cody, in which he wasn't even signed, to his alliance with the Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade, which I thought was just a way for him to get victories and no other reason why they'd all be together as a full-on five-team, five-man faction, to having this whole thing be built around the fact that everyone kind of noticed that he was never officially eliminated from the Casino Battle Royal. And then, on top of that, he wasn't even meant to have a world title match with Moxley in the first place. That was meant to be Lance Archer, but opportunity knocked, he cut a hell of a promo again, and then, sure, he lost, but then he built another story off of that about how, hey, he choked me out, but I never tapped. I never quit. God, he is legitimately. I, I'm i just going to give you my prediction now, because I think Moxley's going to win. But Eddie Kingston... A guy who, in the span of two months, has just climbed to the top of AEW. A guy who has probably, I think right now, the best promos in AEW right now. He's just... There's something about his promos that just feel so real. You know what I mean? Like, the way that he speaks just comes off as so impassioned and angry and almost like cynical from like his time being on the independent circuit as that kind of being his character it's so refreshing to have that kind of be that he's not really ashamed of being in the indies he's proud of it and i think that's such an interesting direction to take a heel who's now in this big mainstream company as being yeah, I'm proud of my roots. I didn't change for anyone. And somehow, make that not a babyface character, but a heel one. He has been, to me, even though I don't believe he's going to win the belt at all. I don't think he has not got a chance at all. But his promos make me believe that he can win this. And that... Somehow, some way, he's gonna walk away with the belt. And I know he isn't. I know he's not gonna walk into that building and walk out the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. But for some reason, his promos just convince me otherwise. Like as I'm watching AEW, just sort of like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Eddie. You can totally do this. I believe in you. And you know, it takes two to tango. John Moxley, vice versa. Phenomenal promo. A guy who has really taken the company and really ran with it since he debuted back at Double or Nothing two years ago. He's really carried this company. He's ironically one of the only people who is not in a faction. 
it's like he's very much a guy who as AEW's progressed as a company has become this sort of lone wolf champion a guy who is just carrying the stuff on his back as there's like hundreds of people sort of looking out for him and he's got no backup sure he's got Darby Allen and to some extent Will Hobbs but he doesn't have a faction by his side at all like that's such a that's such a weird like character trait thing it's kind of like in New Japan where Tan back when like Tanahashi was world champion he wasn't really part of a faction he just represented New Japan whilst Everyone else there is in some sort of faction. It kind of, like, makes John Moxley this sort of badass, just sort of loner character that I just, I really dig. I really dig the fact that John Moxley isn't really associated with a faction. He's kind of just on his own. I feel like it kind of exemplifies what kind of makes him a badass champion. And whilst I, I still prefer Chris Jericho's world title run... I feel like as a babyface title run, it's very hard to get those right. I feel like AEW's done a really good job with Moxley. Like, he hasn't been a guy who... I feel like some of his momentum's called off just from title defense, but it's hard to tell because of the COVID era that we're living in. But I do not see a reason to take a belt off of John Moxley right now. I feel like you save that till, at the earliest, the next pay-per-view. Possibly against Kenny Omega, and that's where you take the title off of Moxley. For me, though, I the I Quit match just it feels like such a poetic end to the feud between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. It's only really lasted about a month or so, and it's so intricate because of like years of context. Of, like, John Moxley being part of WWE and Eddie Kingston's just sort of fighting in the independent circuit, sort of making his name, helping other guys. Like, in, like, his Talk is Jericho interview, for example, when he was talking about, like, how he was kind of salty that these people who he really worked with, like, to sort of, like, take him on, took under his wing, all of a sudden got the big call to WWE and he never did, even though he's, like this incredible talker and then you have John Moxley who's essentially kind of I'd probably say the biggest like shadow of Eddie Kingston to me he kind of represents if we're taking this from a writing standpoint what Eddie Kingston would have been if he went to WWE but he didn't Eddie stuck around he stuck to his guns and he stayed on the independence He's a guy in his promos who've constantly said, I'm tired of making stars. And now he's finally becoming the star that he feels he deserves. And that's such an interesting story because from his perspective, this is his final chapter. His final coup de grace. And for Moxley, this is just another guy, another faction, and another group of people going after something that has been a big target on his back for the past I, I'm trying to remember it all now like eight months am I right eight months Jesus COVID times so yeah I think Moxley's gonna win there I feel like that would set up a 
very appropriate Kenny Omega John Moxley match build off of their full gear thing in which you've got more motivation for Moxley who like once that match ended it wasn't counted for like AEW records as being a victory for him uh Kenny Omega vice versa with it I think that's yeah yep so that's ladies and gentlemen that is the full gear predictions do I think that we might get another match for the buy-in or the main card? Yes, but as of right now, I don't know what that is. And because it's Halloween and it's spooky, these predictions are super early. And that's it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, recently, we just hit our first 100 downloads. So for everyone who like chipped in and just... Whether you, like, shared it with your friends, your friendliest friends, whatever friends you had. Thank you so much for doing that. Like, it still hasn't sunk in to me that we've hit such a number within such a... It feels like such a short period of time. And I I hope you guys still enjoy the show. I'm, I'm trying to think of more consistent ideas to do for this. Uh, I'm going to give you a teaser for next week. Next week's episode is going to be on Sami Zayn. So if anyone's interested, tell your friends. Tell your friendliest friends. And remember everybody, wrestling can always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night everybody. Yeah.